What's up, y'all, and welcome to Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow. We're excited to welcome you to Season 3, Episode 2, The Communication Challenges of Leadership. And what would Leadership LaToya be without its co-host, Dr. Michael Wakesness? Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, LaToya, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Fantastic. You know, I'm really excited about this summer. We have some exciting upcoming things. Um, We're going to be presenting together in a week or so at the South Carolina Association of School Administrators Conference. Going to have an awesome session about school improvement and focus. And I'm looking forward to us being able to do that together again. I am too. And I'm really excited about today's topic on the podcast. We're going to talk about communication challenges. Yes. um, You know, sometimes it's really hard as a leader to communicate effectively and adequately with everybody within the organization. I have to ask you, Mike, in your experience as a leader um, thus far, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you see leaders face when it comes to communication? Well, I think the guiding question when you're thinking about communication is, do you want to simply be heard or are you looking to be understood? Think about all the messages that, that employees or if you're a classroom teacher, all the messages students receive. And how do you, as a leader, take your message to the point where they're actually going to hear it above all the noise and actually understand it? So that's kind of the guiding principle I like to use or the guiding question. Am I just trying to make myself heard or do I want people to actually understand what the message is that I'm trying to convey? Wow. And also, the, the, the second thing, which I would say, is when you communicate, are you thinking about how others will receive that message, or are you really just talking to yourself? Because the goal is to get them to receive, to internalize the message, and if you're just crafting your messages how you want, how you would want to hear them, you're missing out on a whole lot of people. I think you raised an excellent set of points, especially the second one, because I think so often we get stuck in this rut as leaders that here's some information that needs to be shared. And we either are, uh, you know, we share it as quick as possible. And so we send an email that may be, you know, five or six paragraphs long. And then we become a little frustrated when we figure out that people didn't read past the first paragraph. And so to think about how it would be best received by the folks who you are trying to communicate with, Um, is definitely a different way to think about that. So what are some different ways? I know when we were co-principals together um, on Fridays, and I know you did this um, at your middle school where you were principal um, prior to that co-principalship, you had the Friday focus, um, and that became a pretty routine communication tool. What other ways or ideas do you have for leaders out there about how they can communicate in a way that does address what folks need to receive the message you're trying to send? Well, I think it, it really it goes to what what is the message? Is it a good news thing? Is it just information? Is it um, something that may be received with some criticism? So I think first you got to really think about what type of message you are conveying. So the Friday focus uh, that we would send out, um, there wasn't really any you know negative information in there. It was kind of just news, nuts and bolts kind of thing. So we tried to condense those into one email a week, and, and you really helped me get a lot better at that, putting all the information together in, in, in one email. And I know uh, some, some principals, some leaders have um, set up like a, like a, I guess it's like a Spore newsletter where, or, or a Google Drive where they can go back and it's all right there. Email, you can search for it, but that's kind of timely, uh, or not timely, that's kind of time-consuming. Um, so if you could have it all posted in one place, that's an idea. 
Uh, of course, any kind of critical feedback that needs to be done face-to-face, and that's not always the quickest way, but that's certainly the best way. Uh, and I think really that's a whole other line of, of communication when, say, for example, if a teacher, uh, you observe their classroom and you have some feedback that may not be so positive, of course you want to have those face-to-face personally. Um, and then uh, the, the, last, the last point is when you are, uh, like, at a faculty meeting or you have a large meeting, uh, again, any kind of negative, critical type feedback, never do that in a large group. That's just, you know, really, that's just rude. Um, a lot of times leaders like to skirt around the tough conversations and say, well, one of our teachers has done this, 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 rather than um, going through that person and speaking to them. Because when you say a negative thing in a large group, all your great teachers that did nothing wrong automatically are going to be like, oh, my goodness, did I do that? Am I the one talking to them? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. That happens all the time. You know, something else we did, Mike, that I think was really cool uh, as a communication method, and we did it for multiple reasons. One, to add some humor and joy to the to the school environment and the school climate, uh, but also to sometimes share important information. We would make videos in short, um, you know, 30 seconds to a minute videos. Our teachers love that. They always watch them. And as a matter of fact, when we stopped making those, uh, you know, there were always questions about when's the next video. We seem to really capture their attention. And I'm really interested in data visualization as well. And I'm thinking about the graphs that you would make as a result of our walkthrough observations and how you would share those visually with teachers. And we would post those and talk to them around how uh, what we've seen in terms of their implementation of a particular practice related to our school improvement strategy and how much of a difference that made in them going back and making changes. I've been reading a lot of research around why is it that people are moved so much by pictures, by videos, and there's a media theorist, his name is John Berger, and he says that people think in pictures. That's what he says. He says, seeing comes before words. His exact quote is this, and this comes from a site called visualmatters.com. Unless our words, concepts, ideas are hooked onto an image, they will go in one ear, sail through the brain, and go out the other ear. Words are processed by our short-term memory, where we can only retain about seven bits of information. This is why, by the way, that we have seven-digit phone numbers. Images, on the other hand, go directly into long-term memory where they are indelibly etched. What do you think about that? Wow, that's, that's pretty powerful. And, uh, you know, I love, I love data visualization. We were um, just talking about this at work in kind of another context, but talking about the power of data visualization and mapping. We were talking about uh, uh, something, and we were, we were saying how it was so interesting to see where people live and uh, do you remember, Latoya, the, the Yanny and Laurel thing that was going around? And mm-hmm. Some people heard Yanny and some people heard Laurel. Yes, I, yeah, I remember so, that. So, so we were talking about that, actually, and about different dialects throughout the United States. And we were wondering if, based on dialect, you heard it differently, like the speed of your dialect. Uh, and I said, that would be so cool to see a, uh, a data visualization, you know, a, a map of the United States and what the people in different places heard and that, that's just like a perfect example of what you were just saying how you know we think in pictures I, we were just talking about how we would love to see a map visually of, of how people interpreted that and you know Mike whatever uh, another thing that this makes me think about is when we were um, developing this podcast and when we when the first season of the podcast and we start talking about how we wanted to keep the podcast 
under 10 minutes, 10 minutes or less. And we, we've failed on that a numerous, numerous times. Sometimes we've gone to 12, but we really try hard to keep it uh, short. And that reason is for what we're talking about. We know that in order to get the most important information out, we've got a limited amount of time. So I think another challenge for leaders when they're communicating is and, and something that I have had to work on a great deal is figuring out how to be brief, but also get the ideas and information across that you need to share. Certainly, and, and I also want to talk about really briefly um, the power of storytelling, and that's why I think you are a master at that. People remember when you put information in a story, when it's something, just like this picture, something they could put in their mind and connect it back to. I think really that's the heart of it with storytelling. They're able to relate to it and, and connect it to something in their personal lives, uh, and I think that is one of the most, if not the most effective ways to communicate these stories. Yes, yes, I do too. I, I think what happens when we put things in the context of a story is we create an avenue for folks to connect to what we're saying. And so, so often as leaders, when we're trying to move our, our folks inside our organization to a particular practice, while we give them the information, we sometimes fail to tell them what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does success look like when this is implemented? So if we can put those images out front and if we can give them those pictures and those stories, out front in the beginning of our attempt to to move them toward a sense of urgency to implement a particular practice, then we're more likely to see um, uh, fruit from our communication. I think it's when we uh, send this bulleted dry list with no uh, additional um, information or or not, we don't work to create pictures or give them a real illustration of what that might look like in practice. And, and here's a story of how that might work out. I think we, we shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak, um, in our efforts to, to communicate something that seems so important. Well, Mike, um, would you add anything before we go um, for a last thought for our listeners? Yes, and, and I, I came across this in a book, so it's certainly not my idea, but, but I used it as a principle. Um, when, you're, when you start communicating an idea, the idea of a destination postcard, what does the end result look like? So starting with that, letting people know, hey, um, this is what it could be down the road if we start doing, you know, step one, step two, step three. So starting with the destination postcard, that stuck with me from a book I read probably 10 years ago, and it, it relates to that personal side, the picture side, the story side. So that might be a tip you could use in your daily leadership, folks, is when you're communicating an idea, start with the destination postcard. Awesome idea, Mike. Thanks for sharing that. Folks, we want to remind you that Leadership LaToya is a free podcast that you can listen to on iTunes anytime, anywhere. If you haven't already picked up a copy of my new book, Burned Out, Beaten Up, Fighting Back, A Call to Action for America's Public Educators, please check it out. It's available on Amazon in both the paperback and Kindle version. Until next time, folks, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.